0: story becomes clear. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater, an RPG actual play podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater. Uh, my name is Jeremy. And that's all we know about you so far. Yeah, so far, yeah.
2: Hello, I am Johnny. I am Jeff. Hello,
3: I am Mike.
0: And I am... The GM Jordan. Now, as you heard, we have a new player with us this time around. We have decided to start a new campaign. The campaign has yet to be named, uh, but everything. But we're working on that. But Mike is our new player. Carlin is no longer with us, and uh, and neither is Stephanie. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and roll on with a new character, a new campaign world, uh, using mini six again because that's just one of our favorite set, uh, ways to roll dice. That's how we roll. That's how we roll. Mm-hmm. Now, just to share a little bit about uh, the world, um, I was at work, and Jeremy sent me a message saying, "Oh, we need to start playing again." I'm like, "Okay, we'll we'll see what we can do to get this figured out." And um, I decided that instead of coming up with the world collaboratively, um, we'll try and we would try and take a different approach. And I would say that what the setting was, um, which is a little different from us, but I thought it would be good to to try a different variety and everything like that. And so I was reading an article about how Queen Elizabeth's government was like the first police state in uh, in England, where they, they were like actually like a lot of internal spying and everything like that. Um, and then I was watching uh, the movie Elizabeth, and Jeffrey Rush was talking about his character, uh, and he was describing him as the man who created MI5, which is... The basically the internal espionage office of the British government,
2: the British FBI.
0: Yeah, okay. pretty much, but a little bit more spyy than the FBI is a little more surveillance oriented. Um, so a little more CIA, a little than the FBI, a little more personal CIA, <laughs> I guess. Like England is a big brother state, so yeah. So you know, the thought was, let's go ahead and uh, play in a world where we are members of like the espionage organization and so i kind of think um the world is elizabethan in its feel and like the the trappings and everything like that so this is more of a fantasy game than i think our group has ever done before but it has that that fantasy feel without being like your standard dungeons and dragons kind of set up with orcs and everything like that uh elves and dwarves and stuff like that there might be something (laughs) creeping in there will be dwarves There will be dwarves. There will be dwarves. How do you know that?
2: Because I'm going to make it happen. You're going to make it happen.
0: <laughs> all right then. Well, there you, you've heard it first here, folks. I'm not a dwarf. No. Johnny is not a dwarf, but he will make them happen. So we, I just thought that you know all the characters would be people, humans, uh, and everything like that, because we're more. Fo- it's a. It's like a political game. It's focused on the politics and espionage, and trying to find out. Uh, what's going on and everything like that. So, uh, just kept it simple. All humans for this time around. No people turning into trees. No people <laughs> turning into jaguars.
3: <laughs> Nothing like that. Nothing that crazy. I've uh, missed some interesting uh, adventures. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, our our last adventure. He became a tree man. Oh. Basically, an ent. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, hi uh, Jeff.
4: Also known as master willis willis masters
0: master willis faster very good <laughs> job very um
4: good. yeah my character was turned into a
0: tree uh which was very interesting he had all sorts of magical tree powers it was pretty yeah. cool okay. mm-hmm. i
4: started to grow uh what thorns on my knuckles so i could punch people yeah, yeah. Burlo, okay bark for skin and i could talk moss to beard. trees moss beard
0: that was awesome nice so yeah. Nice. Yeah, and, and to think that he was just a, a simple simple asteroid boy coming down to the yep. the desolated Earth to see where he was going Very happen. hometown style. Space yeah. hillbilly. Space hillbillies, space hillbillies. <laughs> yeah. basically. Uh, so yeah, no space hillbillies in um, the Realm of Angels, as we're calling the setting at this point. Uh, one of the big aspects of it is going to be uh, the religious aspects of the world because in the Elizabethan era there was a lot of religious stuff going on because you had the rise of the Protestant movement. And basically, Elizabeth's father, Henry VIII, decided, I don't like my wife. I want to divorce her. Church isn't going to let that happen. So I'm just going to say that I'm the head of the church now and do whatever I want. So that's how the Anglican Church came to rise. And so we, I thought we would do something similar. There's been a, a break between the religious organizations in this kingdom. Uh, there is the, the Reman Church, which, like, everybody in the rest of the, uh, the um, known world uh, is a part of, except for, like, some pocket groups of dissidents and everything like that. And then there is the Church of Angels, which is the, the church that, that the Realm of Angels specifically holds to, and it's also the, the Queen Beth, the queen of the realm, is actually the head of church as well as head of state. Uh, So there's all of these interesting things going on with that. And this is the time of Shakespeare, so a lot of cultural influence as well. Um, There's a lot of focus on the performing arts, and uh, there's a lot of focus on chivalry as a a major cultural idea. Um, I didn't focus so much on the chivalry aspect, but I'm sure we can bring that into play as well. Uh, so, anyway, that's a little bit about the world. Uh, uh, any questions about it? Any anything that needs clarification? No, I I'm have... sure
1: we'll have questions as we start. I'm sure we'll, we
4: will. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, fo- of bringing the uh, chivalry focus in because that adds a lot of interesting mm-hmm. conflicts.
0: Yeah, just
4: yeah. walking down the street.
0: Right, and also, like, who, who has the more, more social status than mm-hmm. the next person and everything like that. I mean,
1: you, as we introduce our characters, I think there's going to be some of what we need to write some of that in based on at least what I've read from some of the backgrounds. Yeah. There's some of that chivalry aspect that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. From mm-hmm. what people wrote in, so...
0: We did character creation a little bit different than we normally do in the past we've done character creation as kind of a collaborative thing and we still did it that way here um but we didn't sit down together and create the characters in one room Um, most of the work was done over the internet basically what i did was i i chose like an elizabethan style fiasco playset, and i'm like okay guys use this to create relationships items uh, stuff like that, and um, I created a spreadsheet with that information, and then you guys went in, filled in the spreadsheet, and then
1: used that as inspiration to create your characters. How did you think that process went?
2: I think it worked well.
1: I think it worked well. I really like the fiasco setup for creating characters because it kind of gets a good kickstart to yeah to something.
0: Yeah, so, it, it makes things feel like they're flowing out of something that's already happened, rather than you know right. things that you don't really know about. And if I remember correctly, um there was a relationship between you and Johnny Jeremy where mm-hmm. you thought that you might actually be relatives or but you're not.
1: Yeah, we we think we're related but we're actually not.
0: Related. Right. So that can add some interesting stuff into gameplay. And then Jeremy and Jeff, I think it was, or maybe it was Johnny and Jeff. Let me double check. There was, between Johnny and Mike, there was the clown and the fan. And so, one of your beliefs, Johnny, is that you never miss the theater yep. because it's always going to be worth it. Yep. Big fan
2: of the theater.
0: Big fan, fan of the theater. And that put Mike into being the actor. One.
3: Yes. I always love to perform in front of an audience. doesn't matter how big or small.
0: So... Why don't we go ahead and go around and just introduce the characters uh, so we get a little bit better understanding of who they are and just let the people know. Um, Jeremy, do you want to go first?
1: Uh, Sure. Um, My character is named Grayson Digby. He's a young character. He's only 17 years old, Um, kind of short, stature, lean build, build, brown hair, hazel eyes. it's a commoner, but he's always very clean and ready to go. Ready to go. I mean, he, he thinks his appearance. He doesn't want to appear as, as a, a common person. He right. thinks He thinks of himself as Ah, I'm just a
0: step ahead of everybody else. But doesn't he also have a bit of a chip on his shoulder too, about the nobility?
1: Oh, he does. He does. Um, one of his one of his beliefs um, is that the nobles are only noble. Because some of them can't survive a day's work.
0: Right. Yeah. So no, nobility only exists because certain people couldn't survive a day's work. Yeah. Which is kind of. It's like yeah, no, it's like they're they're not going to get very far. And, they're, and, they're, and what really matters.
1: Yeah. Um, another one of his beliefs is you got to have something that somebody else wants, then you're somebody. Yeah. So unless you've got something to offer somebody else, then you're. You don't have really any value to yourself. So, And then this one, I really had a f- fun time thinking of, th- of this one, the wording of this one, too. So, the ruler is one with the most secrets that aren't his own.
0: So, like, the, que- the queen, her, like, her power basically comes because she knows a lot of information about other people, and that's how they actually keep the, the, the nation safe. And the crown safe is that they have... Uh, A lot of information so that they can make informed decisions and everything like that. So it makes a lot of sense that the ruler would be the one with the most secrets.
1: Yeah, but he takes that a step further into thinking that, oh, you may be the official ruler, but if I've got dirt on you, Uh you're not going to control me. I'm going to do what I want. Pretty cool. So um, his parents died in a fire when he was only two years old, or that's what he was told. Mm -hmm. We'll kind of play that out and see what happens. Um, So he was taken in by his aunt, Ivy. Um, and he sort of just lived and did things on the streets, wasn't really officially educated anywhere, so he got his education from the streets, uh, but he developed an affinity for getting things that the commoners wanted, uh, that they weren't really supposed to have. It's like, oh, the nobility has this, but guess what? I got this stash here that I can... So was he
0: a bit of a thief, like, breaking into stuff? or he's a
1: thief, um, and he's, I guess his occupation would be like a messenger or courier. Sure. um, He would. He liked to get paid in not just money, but But in in things and information. Okay. um, That made him popular with the the ruffians on the on the street, um, and also the young ladies. But he wasn't really interested in the attention of the young ladies. He had one person in particular, Haley Beckett, uh, who wouldn't give him the time of day. Of course. not. So interesting. And her older brother didn't like the fact that he was paying so much attention to him. So her older brother, Cyril, has sort of got it out for him. And he says, I'm just another face in the crowd, but I'm definitely smarter than your average chum. Um, He likes to use his wits to stay out of trouble rather than getting into physical altercations. Um, So his goals, one goal will be to win the heart of Haley without incurring the wrath of Cyril. Uh, another one would be to have a constant supply of the latest common craving. So whatever people want, I've got to have that so I can gain Stay some more power.
4: Stay of the game.
1: And then um, another goal is to learn the dark secrets that would potentially rock the boat for the noble class.
0: Okay, sounds good. So he he pretty much he, he wants the heart of a beautiful woman that he can't get. He wants to make sure that he stays ahead of the game, and he also wants to make sure that he can kind of rock the boat of those who he he doesn't have a lot of respect for.
1: Hmm. Right.
0: So he's he's got a lot of interesting
1: twists and barbs to him. Okay. And one of the things what we did talk about here is there will be some um, magic use. Yes. Um, so my, my character has the ability to use some magic, but from his personality, he's not going to ever admit that he's using magic. So it's kind of something that he thinks is just his natural abilities, but... I think he recognizes it as, oh, this is a magical ability, but I'm not going to give that information about out about myself.
2: Right. Because
4: it's something someone could hold over you.
1: Yes. And you so want he's, the power. He's very secretive, and one of the things that he likes to do is whenever he's introducing his associates, is like just make up random names for them. <laughs> not give them real names. Not introduce them as who they are, but... Say that there's somebody else. Okay, that could be a problem. (laughs) Chester Chester Pants.
0: (laughs) All right, Johnny, let's go ahead and hear about your your character here. Uh,
2: Chim Chimney, Chim Chimney, Chim Chim Charoo. Is that your quote? No, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I am playing the character Byron Michael, who just happens to be a master chimney sweep. Started off. When I was born, my father was a carpenter for one of the uh, major theaters in the city. Okay. And so, as part of that job, we were provided with housing and such. But unfortunately, he died from an accident when I was about nine years old. Oof. I, being the oldest child, I had to find a way to support my family. So, I went out looking for work, and I tried my hand at theater because I loved the theater growing up there. But found out I was a terrible actor. Terrible. Um... (laughs) Eventually, I found my way through several jobs. I found my way to uh, an apprenticeship under a sweep, and I learned the trade. and I fell in love with it, and just continued doing that until I reached the level of master. And I, well, I've started my own business, which unfortunately has given me a complication of a large debt. Uh oh.
0: So, how much? How, like who? Who exactly do you owe your money to? Just regular money lenders? Or... Yeah, to regular money lenders. Okay, not anybody
2: on this no, show no, yeah, no, no, nobody sketchy. Okay, it's regular money lenders, but it's a significant amount. I mean, we're talking if Elizabethan era, we're probably talking about two thousand dollars.
0: Okay, so, so it probably would translate to about a couple hundred pounds.
2: Yeah. So, uh, now, wow. which in today's money would be you know a couple hundred thousand. Right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: were you mostly using that money for like uh, startup costs like to like to have a, a mobile business like yeah. a, a main business so office
2: buy all my own equipment um, get some money, a little bit of advertising and also I happened to uh, acquire an apprentice of my own so I had to be able to support the apprentice
0: okay and what's your apprentice's name
2: well he goes by toad
0: toad <laughs> toad the apprentice
2: yes uh, yes, I, I caught him one day when he was uh, attempting to pick my pocket. and You're doing a very good job then. Well, I'm very observant.
0: And he figured it would be a better life for him crawling through... Yes, feeling sorry for him, so but you know,
2: I offered him work as Chimney Sweep Apprentice. Okay,
0: sounds good. And so tell me a little bit about sure. your beliefs and goals.
2: Alright, so, my beliefs... Take time for the theater. It's worth it. Always make the time to go to the theater...
0: How often would you say you go to the theater per week or per month?
2: Uh, Per month, I'd say I go, I attend at least one showing of every new production. Okay. So it depends on how often the productions are coming through, but I attend at least one showing of every production. Okay. A friendly smile and a good job done will always open another door. So when you do a good job, you know, word of mouth advertising goes a long way. Okay. You are whomever you convince your audience you are.
0: So even though you're not a good actor, you do have a lot of personal charisma.
2: Yes. So even when I'm having a bad day, you know, I can put forward the front that, you know, I'm happy chipper chimney sweep here to serve you.
0: Okay. Good interpersonal skills there.
2: Yes. Uh, My goals. To make contacts with people from all social levels. Okay. You know, because... Everybody who has a home needs a chimney sweep.
0: So you so do you offer different levels of plans like like your basic one chimney plan, two chimney plans.
2: Um, it's not really a, as much plans as it is. If you have a large home, mm-hmm. we will give you a discount for the multiple chimneys. Okay. You now, if you have a ten chimney home, then yeah, you know, we'll knock off ten percent. Okay, one percent per chimney. Yeah. Okay. Another goal is to maintain my reputation for the cleanest sweep in the city. Never want to leave a dirty mess behind. Now,
0: is that a reputation that you have in your own mind? Like something that you put on yourself? Yes, or... that's
2: something I put on myself and, you know, I'm, I'm forcing it onto Toad. Okay. So poor Toad, he's,
0: he's the one who's stuck polishing things and making yes, sure that because... the cloths get placed properly and everything like that.
2: Yeah, you know, especially when you go into the the richer homes, you can't leave a, a sooty mess on the floor. Because they'll never invite you back.
0: Right, right. Understood.
2: And the third goal, attend every new performance that appears at the theater. Okay.
0: Let's go ahead and talk about Jeff's character. Jeff actually had a pretty cool idea for his character. Just go ahead and give us a little bit of a rundown of of that guy.
4: My character's name is Demetrius Norton.
0: Yeah, I had to ask you about that last name. Norton? Yeah. I'm actually playing a character
4: in another campaign right now. His name is Noran, and he's a gnome. For some reason, it just popped into my head. Put a D in the middle of it. I was like, okay.
0: Or you could, like, substitute a, a J for the end, and then you would have Jordan. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I could. I could. I could
1: just got to come up with names that he can remember easily. So. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I do. <laughs>
0: Sandwich is a perfect name. Actually, in this game, you could have the Earl of Sandwich. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,
4: could. yeah. But that would be valid. Pivaraji.
1: Officer Beverage. Demetrius
4: Norden, as a child, spent a lot of time playing playing in the streets and inside the clock tower uh, of the, the big city nearby. Hang out with his friends and running around the clock tower, and just fell in love with the workings of the inside of it. Uh, but when he wasn't inside the clock tower, he was cutting purses, snatching pies off windowsills, you know, being a, a troublemaker, doing things he ought not to, because that's what kids do. Right. But he found he had a knack for cutting purses, but didn't really want to do that for
0: a living. For a living. Yeah, I understood.
4: So he, he began to apprentice with a young clockmaker, because of his infatuation with time and uh, clockmaking and making everything work precisely, he just got good at doing the clock thing. Doing the clock thing. So are I mean, you,
0: <laughs> at this level, are you, your past apprentice, are you a journeyman? Are you a master? He's like right at
4: the end of his journeyman. Okay. He has not taken some master's Yeah, I'm test not, not a master... Actually plays in with uh, one of my goals. Okay. He hasn't mastered his uh, wills yet.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> his parents are still around. He was just a snotty brat kid. Okay.
0: So you could still go home for Sunday dinner. And I could still them. go
4: home for Sunday dinner and enjoy the, the, the pleasant mocking of my parents. You know, because parents do that. Especially when you are a bad kid. Let's move on to... Your beliefs and your my goals? beliefs and my goals. Uh, My beliefs, my very first one, uh, which is also my quote, is timing is everything. doesn't matter what you're doing. Do it in the right time. Make it
0: precise. Okay, so now do you get really bent out of shape if things start running late and everything like that?
4: Uh, A little bit, yeah. That's sort of why he's got this lugubrious, sardonic demeanor. He's like... Things never go the way they need to.
0: <laughs> so you're very much. Uh, things must be in their place. In addition to like keeping the time and everything like that.
4: Yep. Uh, his second belief is if your knives are sharp and your clocks are wound tight, everything else will work out right.
0: Now, the the knives the knives being sharp that works into his cut person. Yes. Now, it does he still, on occasion, do that as a?
4: On occasion, just. If, keep in practice. If he, if he feels the need that someone has no longer a need for their purse... <laughs> I like it.
0: You don't need your money anymore. It, I could, it's I more of a keeping a in better.
4: practice thing. Uh, being able to, to hone his skills and sneaking around and making sure that he can keep his timing accurate. Yeah. So he can... You can accurately see someone walking down the street and be like, okay, here, here, that's going to happen, this is going to happen. And then it's gone. It's gone. They never know until they're eight blocks away and at their house. Okay. Sounds good. And his third is pay attention to details. They are what make things work. The details make things run.
0: Sounds good for a clockmaker. Yeah, yeah. You got to be like if all about the. If you
4: mess up on the details, your clock won't work. Your timing won't work. Thieving won't work. Right.
0: <laughs> now, do you specialize in a specific kind of clock? I should have asked this before, but do you like do you, like, um, like the the small like the clock that sits on the the. A mantle clock. And... Yeah, or like a or, or a wall clock or.
4: I, I think because I'm at and still in the journeyman stage, I do all of them. Okay. My preference would probably be a mantle clock.
0: Mantle clocks, okay. Uh,
4: it's, it's more intricate. Uh, it's harder to get the details working correctly. The challenge is
0: exhilarating. So, on average, how many pieces do you, do you work on at one time, do you think?
4: No more than three. Okay. Because you've got to give them a the time.
0: That's right. <laughs> Gotta give him the time and the attention to make sure that they'll tell the time properly. And so it begins. <laughs> and so it
4: begins. The puns. Uh, his goals are not to get caught with anything illegal. Because illegal Because illegal would mess up timing. You're right. To create a masterpiece of a clock. As a journeyman he's working on his masterwork. And to fulfil his
0: duty to the crown because he he takes his uh, espionage work very seriously yes so mostly very what drew, drew you to the uh, to the espionage business in the first place I mean we kind of know where this uh Digby came from because he had like this desire to know secrets and everything so it just was a natural line of work for him and we also know that Byron moves uh, through Society a lot on all sorts of different strata, so he has a pretty good idea of what the climate is of the of the of Dinium, the city is. Uh, how would you come into the espionage business? Oh, was uh, it was it tied to your relationships? Yes,
4: tied to my relationship with uh Digby.
0: Like, so you guys had had you guys actually
1: like cut
0: purses together at one point or
1: another, or not necessarily cut purses because I mean, that's. It's a little for, beneath your uh, yeah, character. Yeah, for my character, my character is more of like, oh, I'm going to move your stash of something rather than steal from somebody. I mean, he can, in a pinch, when, he's, when he needs to.
0: Were you his fence?
1: That's a question to be answered. Yeah, I was thinking more of his, his sort of, by chance, ended up trying to move the same stash of something. Okay. Yeah. Because we both are smugglers. Of contraband of some sort. Yes.
0: Okay, sounds good. Let's go ahead and talk to
3: Mike about his character, Valentine Montecute. All right. My guy, pretty much Valentine Montecute, he's had a lot of trouble early in life. Okay. And that has really played into his personality and his views and beliefs on how he sees the world. Okay. And basically... um. He looks at the thing, he looks at everything as like the world doesn't owe him anything and that Valentine, he'll get whatever he needs. He wants to have. That will benefit him, okay. yes. And a lot of things like he believes, like especially like one of the quotes he definitely lives by is like, Valentine will go by. If you're stuck in a si- one situation too long, you're a slave. So basically he believes in, don't be caught into one thing for too long because you're trapped.
0: Okay, so does he move around a lot from position to position? Oh, yes,
3: yeah. He he likes to bounce around. He's a bit of a traveler. That's how he gets into a lot of his troubles, Mm -hmm. but that's also how he reaps a lot of his rewards as well. So, yeah, it's kind of a, I guess, maybe a catch-22, you can say, in that aspect. He's had a lot of uh, bad situations here. I'll basically kind of go a little bit more into his background history. Okay. Uh, He got into a lot of legal trouble. Uh, When he was younger, he was a big pickpocket, and he eventually got caught. And then what had happened with that being caught was he was sold into slavery, but he found a way to escape. Okay. And then eventually, um, he joined an acting troupe, claiming that he was a clown. Um, And basically, he had no experience of being a clown, but he had a good keen eye to observe everybody and to learn mimicry. So, once he did that, um, he learned that the troupe was actually a set of grifters and that there is a particular individual that uh, he has a long history with...
0: Templeton.
3: Yes, Templeton. And, oh boy, (laughs) he and Templeton have uh, gotten some uh, interesting uh, situations. They're basically how he and Templeton have this long, uh, bad history together. What had happened was uh, everybody was splitting the gains of a particular job they were doing. And my guy, Valentine, was like, you know what? I want all the money. So he tried to steal it all. And there is a close confidant to Templeton named Humphrey Ainsworth, and he caught me in the act, and basically an ensuing struggle took place, and I killed Humphrey. And when when Templeton found out, uh, I was hitting the the road again. Yeah, Let me guess. Yep. Can't stay in a situation too long. Yeah. So basically after I got caught in that scandal, uh, Valentine, I became a spy. And then I eventually became romantically involved with the wife of a foreign patron. And this patron was a uh, member of the French Diplomatic Corps. And they were a little careless with their paperwork, so I uncovered a plot to assassinate the Queen's secretary. And I guess... I don't know if I was compelled by the patriotism, maybe a little bit more greed there. I reported it to the Royal Guard and I was recruited.
0: That is the backstory of Mr. Montague. Yes.
3: Uh, my goals are is uh, To bleed Templeton's accounts dry And then eliminate him From the world's balance sheets And once from there I hope I will gain enough acclaim to w- make the world Worship me And I also want to become the leader of the crown's Espionage network So this guy is he's a very humble person he doesn't have a lot of issues
0: with, like, letting others take the reins. You know, <laughs> he's, he's very honest in all of his dealings. Oh, yes. And he wouldn't hurt a fly. Never.
3: Okay. Never. Okay. I'm here for the best, for the better of everybody. For the betterment of the world. <laughs> world yes. Okay. And we have our rider. <laughs> <redder>. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: This guy, he's, he's definitely going to be a handful. All right. So that's pretty much a little introduction of the world where we're coming from as characters beliefs, goals, everything like that so i feel like we have a pretty good place to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to go ahead and start into the actual role-playing
3: game uh, we'll go ahead and
0: take that break right now
3: Do you ever wonder when Spider-Man goes to the bathroom if the toilet paper sticks to his fingers? Do you
1: ever wonder why Superman wears his underwear outside of his pants? My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the
3: jock. And he's the nerd. And we're your hosts for the Jock and Nerd podcast where we sometimes try to attempt to answer these questions.
1: This is a full spoiler podcast, and we swear a lot.
3: Check it out for awesome geek news, interviews, and comic book reviews. Visit jockandnerd.com. We are your superhero TV, movies, and comic book culture curators. Boom. jockandnerd.com. Jockandnerd. and
0: Nerd! Okay. So let's go ahead and set the scene a little bit here to just give you a description of where we are. Um, we're all in the capital city of Dinium, which is... Um, you know, located on the river, has a lot of very metropolitan aspects to it. The royal court is here. So this is a major, like one of the biggest towns in the entire realm. And of course it's winter, it's just the just after the Yesu Mass, with the, celebrating the birth of Yesu. Uh, so the weather is not the greatest, very cold, very dreary. The Realm of Angels is known for its very wet climate, Uh, so there's a lot of rain falling right now. It hasn't really gotten cold enough for snow, but it has definitely become a bit of an issue. At this point, the four of you have been summoned to appear before um, the chief spy, Lord Dudley Walsham. Now, Lord Walsham does not want to... Conduct business in the palace because you know that would just be a little too weird having a chimney sweep and a clockmaker and a cut purse.
2: He's the only one that doesn't in the palace. An
0: actor. Just <laughs> but I look of, like I do. <laughs> all of you just don't seem like the, the kind of people that nobility associate with on a regular basis. So he has asked you to come to the uh, Seven Stars Ale House in the middle of the town to, to go ahead and meet and discuss some important news. Now, the Seven Stars Ale House is a very popular meeting spot. It's near the theater district, so you have a lot of actors coming in on a regular basis at all hours. You have a lot of patrons of the arts. Um, it's something that Valentine and Byron would be very familiar with because of their association with the theater. It's a, actually a couple levels high like your first level is your public room with um with the bar and a a large crowd tables that are set up circular tables uh as you go upstairs into the area there's like uh um rooms that go around an open area so you it's like the the main floor is you can see up two or three stories And um, there are private rooms and booths and stuff like that. So they can still hear the entertainment and the music and whatever is going on downstairs. But it is a more private area for a conversation. Exactly. Box seats. When you all arrive and you're sitting at the table, Lord Walsham comes up and he sits down. And he's a very interesting looking guy. He's got like, he's like always been like a, a paper pusher you know, So he's got the hunched shoulders and um, a sunken eyes. And it looks like his eyes water a lot because he reads a lot in candlelight and everything. So his eyesight is not as good as it once was. Um, and he sits down and um, he orders a drink and he looks around at you all. And he says, we have an important mission for you all. On the high road coming into town, there was a robbery. And they stole material that was very important to the Crown's interests. In fact, it was a delivery meant for the Horologist's Guild. And he looks at you. When was the last time you spoke to the Master Clockmakers? I guess that would be about a month ago. Have you heard anything about the shipments in and out?
4: Not recently. I've been working on my my own journeymanship. But okay. I can get in contact with them. And...
0: Go ahead and, and, and to speak with the, master, the guild masters at the horologist's guild house. They're going to give you the information that you need uh, to start looking into this. I can't go into the details of what was stolen, but it was uh, something that the horologists were working for the crown on. So you would most likely be the best <coughs> way to find out what was going on i will do my best okay and of course the rest of you please make sure that uh demetrius receives all the help and all the assistance that he can get to make sure that everything is going properly all right chap what
1: do you need so are we supposed to recover these
0: items the best thing would be to recover them and also to find out who took them because it was a highway robbery We are not sure, but we would estimate that it was probably somebody who wants to stop the crown. Um, one would
1: think the easiest way to figure out who took something Mm -hmm. is to know what it was and who might want it.
0: Go ahead and give me like a persuasion roll, which would probably would be, yeah, you have persuasion. Yes, I do. Okay. Seventeen. Okay. They were gears, like clockwork. Mm. Okay. Out of game, you all know that the horologist—horologist horologist is the official term for a, like a clockmaker and everything like that. So the these are people who are, like, stealing the gears that have been made and have been specially brought into the town to, to work on a project that the crown has specifically ordered. Okay. So, um, mm-hmm. you're looking for. Several chests full of not, not only small gears and cogs and everything like that, but larger, larger works as well, and very intricate machinery and the driving forces behind the clockworks.
4: All right. Well, first we'll go and speak with the horologists, um, the other clockmakers, mm-hmm. and then from there we will most likely want to start with figuring out a list of. Who would want these things? Obviously, clockmakers would, but they're the ones who it was stolen from.
2: Well, delivered to them.
4: But we would want to start with where it was taken from. Yes. Mm-hmm. The yes. point
2: along the road where it was stolen. Yes. Do, do we know exactly which point on the high road it was? It was north of the town. North
0: north of the town. town. Yeah. In, in a small valley, north of the town. Kanoki. You all... Uh, need to make sure that you follow through as quickly as possible because time is of the essence.
4: Timing is everything.
0: Timing is everything. Just to explain for my breaking character here. um, I I have in front of me a collection of flattened marbles, those little marble chips. Mm, Right, okay. um, And these are called Hero Points. Now, Hero Points in Mini six actually can do a lot of really cool things for you for example if you want to um boost a roll by a whole six points you would toss in a hero point okay um or one time per combat you can be you you can use it to reduce the severity of of the damage that you would take by a level also you can make like a small change to your location like say you find a window unlocked or you find a, a roll of duct tape or something that will be useful. Or you could buy a clip. Sometimes when the players are at a loss or think they might have missed something, this gives them the option to find that detail that they would have otherwise missed. So like okay. if, if you're like trying to do an investigation check-in and you're trying to find this information and you just roll horribly, you can throw in a, a hero point and then we can use that to, to go ahead and give you a little bit more information. Sounds good. So...
4: Yes, and you get hero points for saying your quotes or doing awesome things. Yeah.
0: So, like, you use, like, when when you have a complication that comes up and like gives you um, an issue in your life, then I'll give you a a hero point. Um, If you get a chance to work your quote into uh, what the conversation, then you'll get another hero point. You know, stuff like that. So, all right. And now do you guys have any further questions?
4: I don't think we have any for you. For me. Well. We have our objective and
2: mm-hmm. Um where are we bringing the information?
1: Where are we to? meeting up again once we've completed our mission?
0: Send a message to me the normal way and we'll meet back here.
1: Mm-hmm. How much time do we have? The sooner the better.
0: This is a, this is an important project that Crown wants completed before before the beginning of the next month. I guess we're going. So you leave yes. the Seven Stars
1: Ale House, and you... On the way out, Grayson is going to look around, and he sees a uh, like bouquet of roses sitting over there, and he just, he just walks about and just slips one, grabs it. Just grabs a
0: single rose? Yep. Okay. And so now you're going to head to the Horologist's Guild House.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Jeff... What is one thing that you immediately notice about the, the guild house that stands out in your mind?
4: The front door is a clock. <laughs> <laughs> no. The one clock in the back left corner of the room is off by three seconds.
0: Does the work look like somebody... It looks very not... shoddy. It was a shoddy work?
4: Yes. looks very poor. Now, since Maybe is... a young apprentice yeah. doesn't know what he's doing. Or a sloppy, sloppy master. I could make a better clock in my sleep.
0: Does it look like something that might have been an early attempt of a of a young Demetrius? No, no, never. E- even then, Demetrius was it better? Far wow. better.
2: <laughs> maybe not, maybe not better. But you just destroyed all, all the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't better, I made it better. So the
0: main meeting room is it like? Is it lined with clocks on all the on all the walls? Or
4: uh, there, there's various kinds of clocks. Various stages of repair of clocks, uh-huh. uh, workbenches, mm-hmm. uh, seating uh, areas. The room or is it, yes. just it's, it a was like a, a big dining table looking area. Okay, fireplace at mm-hmm. one end, very great hall looking, but with workbenches along the walls. Okay.
0: Um, now, how often would you come here? Like when you were working with your master,
4: once every two, three weeks.
0: Now, was it for mostly, like, seminars, or were you were you picking up supplies?
4: Uh, mostly supplies, but there were, like, uh, seminars and uh, ex- exchanging of technique and
2: things like that.
0: Now, do you have anybody who, like, works at the Horologist House that you would know very well, or, like, a friend or something?
2: Would your master be
4: here? No, my master would be at his own shop at this point. What, roughly what time of day is it?
0: It is, uh, we'll say that it is around noontime.
4: Around noontime, alright.
0: Shortly after the okay. lunchtime meal.
4: There would be the uh, one other apprentice that was around when I was around. He's not a journeyman yet. Mm. <coughs> Poor guy. Do you think it was his
0: work that that you saw that was off? It might have been.
4: Very distasteful. T- <laughs>
1: So who else, because uh, I'm walking in like right after you, yeah. like, following on your coattails, um, who else is in? Uh, there would probably be like
4: one other master working on a piece for someone rich, I would guess. Like a big, fancy, tall,
0: grandfather cloth intricate woodwork. So we'll say that that master, is his name is Ambrose. Master Ambrose Claimant and as he he finishes like oiling the the gears that he's been installing and he he's working on with a fine screwdriver to to put it into place mm-hmm. and he stands up and he sees you and mm-hmm. he recognizes you because you do come to the to the annual meetings yeah. and p- put your vote on on guild affairs and everything like yes. that and so he sees you and, and your friend and the friends in he comes up to you and he's like, Demetrius, it is good to see you, young man.
4: It's good to see you as well. Master Ambrose.
0: I'm I'm looking into some
4: information, uh, a an incident that has happened. It was requested that I take care of this with my I associates
1: over here. And Grayson immediately steps to the front and puts out his hands to shake his hands like Chester Worthington here, sir. Mr Worthington. Nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you as well. Have I seen you before? I do not believe so, sir. All right then. Well, okay. I do recognize Byron. He has cleaned our suit, <laughs> yes, our flu on many occasions. Let's see. We're on schedule for uh, two weeks, without correct? I believe so. Yes. Yes. And also this time, uh, in addition to the main, the main chimney. I will we'll need you to take care of some of the uh, the living quarters for the older masters as well. Oh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. Are you,
0: that would not be an issue for you? Not at
2: all, not at all. I have acquired a new apprentices. Uh, I'm training them well.
0: Okay, all so. right. It's always good to carry on the tradition. Yes.
4: Regardless of these other mm-hmm. side quests, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to discuss with you a shipment of gears and cogs and springs that was arrested from us.
0: He grabs you by the the elbow and pulls you close. You know about that?
4: That is what I've
0: been asked to look into. Who told you to look into that? Nobody's supposed to know. Grayson leans in and is like, Sir, don't worry. Your secret is safe with me. Again, I tell you, who asked you to look into this?
2: Mister Ambrose actually owes me a favor. I'm calling him on my favor. Okay. Burks. Remember that time... Don't ask right now, please.
0: But it was one rush job.
2: Yes. And
0: the only reason we needed it to happen was so that my wife would not argue with me.
2: Anymore. Yes. Laws and messes. Do not ask that particular question right now.
1: Troubles at home, sir.
0: None that I will discuss with you. Let's go somewhere private where we can discuss this, please. And so he takes you to one of the back rooms and, and, and closes the door. And he he turns around. Well, I can only assume that the crown has sent you because the importance of the gears to what they wanted to have accomplished.
4: Yes, the crown has sent us. Well, then, then
0: then you should already know what they're for.
4: This was information we were that was withheld from us. Oh, this is just the two of them?
2: This is all
0: four of you, yeah. Oh, no, four no. Four us, okay. Yeah, they pull, they pull all four of you aside. Okay. What
2: they almost it? didn't tell
4: us it was Gears.
1: It's pretty obvious it's not a clock. Obviously.
4: But timing is everything, so we need to get working on this.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> do I get one for mine? Your secret is safe for me. Yes, you do. Yes. <sighs> Master Ambrose,
2: you've deducted who has sent us, at least as far as Mr. Demetrius here and myself, you know you can trust us. We do. You and I have worked together in the past on several different things. We're just looking to get a little bit more information so we can accomplish the task we were hired
1: for. My purpose here is so that information only goes where it's supposed to go, and items go only where they're supposed to go.
2: I'll vouch for him. He's my cousin.
0: All right then, go ahead and make a uh, like a persuasion roll uh, to try and get some more information about what was actually included in the
1: in the package. I uh, that too, since I um, Let's go ahead and see what his roll is. Oh no! Kind of roll again. <laughs> you may <laughs> 21.
0: You succeed. Yeah, Johnny just rolled a 1 on his wild die. In true Johnny fashion. Not as bad as Jeff fashion, where he would have rolled 1s on everything. (laughs)
2: Ouch.
0: But yes, You're not dead yet? No. No. Not dead yet. So, you really don't know what this is for. We have ideas, but nothing specific. These gears were infused with magic. The crown is trying to create a defensive force for the queen. Made completely of automatons. It's it's cutting edge. We're, nothing has like this has ever been done before.
2: Well, there were those stone golems that the were tried out, but
0: <sighs> that was back in King Henry's day, and of course yes. we all found out that they just sunk right into the earth and yes. broke through the second floors. It was a uh, it a was big a mess. Big yes.
4: mess. Regardless, we need a list of. uh, Well, we need a list of inventory, and we also need a list of people who would want to obtain these things. are in the know.
0: There was one... The inventory was... There were were several chests filled with gears. Large gears, small gears. Everything that you would need to make a very detailed piece of automation. Um... There was a lot of, there were the, the connecting pieces and everything like that were included as well. Now, as for who would have taken it, we don't really have any idea who would have done that. There was one survivor, the people accompanying the shipment were killed, except for one who got away.
2: And if you want, we could talk to him. So it was not not just bandits, but murder as well.
0: Yeah, there, there was murder. There, these highwaymen mm-hmm. were most desperate we
4: will most likely want to speak with him.
0: Okay. Now, he's not in the best of conditions at the moment. I um, would imagine not surviving
2: murderers and thieves. We can let one of you
0: talk to him, but you must remember that he is of a delicate disposition and is incoherent most of the time. And his right, name, so sir? of us should go and speak with him. Uh, that would be a uh, young master cooper will cooper
2: and he said he was a master of your guild he's, he was he, at least he's he's a
0: young man still but he showed much talent probably the most talented of all the younger generation no offense demetrius but you were a second to him
2: I no think words. you've insulted him. <laughs> <No words. laughs>
3: well, let me ask you fellas, Is would it help if maybe somebody who's not so familiar, that he's not so familiar with, go in and talk to him, learn a little bit about him? Kind of an outsider's perspective, this whole situation.
0: That might be something that would work in, in your favor.
3: Yes.
4: Also a familiar face might work in our favor.
0: That is true too. We must keep in mind that he is not in the best of states. So, the less people we have to interrupt him, the better. Who it is between the four of you, I will let decide.
1: In I'll character. Th- I'll let the three of you decide.
4: Oh. Yeah, I think that it would be best if. Is he close? Someone who did not know <clears throat> when he, to speak with him. He's them. here in
0: the. Hey, he's he? here in the house. We have him in the private rooms. <clears throat> Sir Ambrose, do you have a facility? We have a privy, Yes. out the back door, and into the alleyway, you'll find exactly what you need. Thank you sir.
1: He's going to Grayson scoot around the corner, and then he's going to try and cast Invisibility on himself. Okay.
0: <coughs> and what's the target number for Invisibility?
1: Oh, 27. Okay. That's going to, it's,
0: it's tough. Nope, nope,
1: not even close.
2: <laughs> <So> just, <laughs> guys, am I invisible yet? So, <laughs>
1: no. well, I'm yeah, We can see you.
0: So, well, well, he did this out of he yeah, he looks, did this out of sight. So, what describe how how you it looks when you try and make yourself invisible? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he's learned to whatever spells he he has. He's learned to be able to cast them just by. Concentration. Sure. So, so he's not giving off to anybody around him that he's actually casting magic. Okay. So he just goes around the corner and sits there, he closes his eyes, his, his eyes flutter a little bit, and he opens his eyes, shakes his head, shrugs, and just keeps going to the facilities. <laughs>
0: and <laughs> as, you, as you do that, we'll say that what startled you was like, um, you heard cats starting to fight in the alleyway, like right outside the outhouse. <laughs> You know, and they're just going to town at each other. Yeah, exactly. Just as a side story, when I was living in, in Havita Grace, um, there was like an alley between my house and an apartment building that was only like shoulder wide. It was not very big at all. But there were a lot of stray cats that would hang out in that alleyway. And there would they would pick fights like all the time. So I'd be sitting in my bedroom and all of a sudden I would just hear,
2: rawr, So It's like we have a rooster that crows 24 hours a day.
0: In the middle of Sever?
2: Uh-huh.
3: Our neighbor. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Yeah, they're good times.
1: So that obviously didn't work? No, that did not work at all. He's just going to go. And then Mm. her back. Okay. Like nothing. Like nothing ever
0: happened. At least you tried to do it in private. It would have been funnier if you did it in private. So
2: which one of you two is going? Valentine.
0: All Valentine? right, sir,
3: and, and your name, I'm sorry? Oh, hello. I, I, I apologize. I don't believe I introduced myself formally. I am Valentine Montague.
0: Nice to meet you, Mr. Montecute. Um, if you will just follow me and remember, utmost quiet, utmost gentleness in person, this Mr. Cooper has suffered a severe mental shock, and he is oh, not terrible, himself terrible, terrible. at this point. Terrible.
3: I'll be. I'll make less noise than a mouse. Okay. And kind of. And while he's out I of character, like while he's sh- kind of bring me down, I'm gonna kind of look around, see what's what's around me, look at okay. the surroundings, see if there's anything of particular interest. In so
0: it's you can tell that the the Horologist Guild is actually very well moneyed. Mm. You, if you wanted to be a like a craftsman who was making a good amount of money, uh, clock making would be your bag. It requires a lot of dexterity and a lot of personal skill, but it does give you the ability to earn a lot of money. Um, So it's very lavishly appointed. All the clocks that are in here, um, except for the one that's like three seconds off, you can't hear the difference, but someone in your party was complaining about it. You can tell that all of these are like works of achievement, you know, things that you can see um, that show off the opulence and the power of the guild. And it's it comes as what no surprise no that the crown would actually come to the guild for specific work to be done. In addition to the the, the workroom, they have a wing off of the major main room that has a lot of places for like young people to sleep, especially those who are studying um, who haven't yet been apprenticed to someone personally. This is where they learn like the rudiments of the skills. Probably Dimitri has spent some time here as a youngster, um,
2: yeah.
0: learning. But also, in addition to that, there are rooms for the masters who have retired, no longer are active, but it like
2: they still teach. They
0: still teach. They need a place to live and everything like that. So, the the masters typically work with the brand new students and bring them up to speed before. Uh, and a lot of that is basic reading and writing and arithmetic and things that they mm-hmm. would need okay. knowledge wise before they actually begin the craftsman side of the process. There's
4: a lot of the math and the science behind exactly. it. Exactly,
0: exactly, because there's a lot of mental work that goes into clock making that mm-hmm. that you wouldn't expect. Well, you should expect, but... And just wait until they start talking to you about Quartz.
2: Um, quick question about just the era that we're in. Uh-huh. Have they developed ship's clocks yet? I
0: wouldn't think so, because ship's okay. clocks require a little bit more... Knowledge of latitude and longitude, yeah, uh, and I would imagine that they're still using stars uh, for the for navigational purposes, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: yeah, stars and hourglasses. Yeah,
0: yeah, they probably count the time by how long it takes to trawl out a rope at, uh, yeah. with knots in bells, event, and that kind of thing. Three bells, four bells, that kind of stuff. Yep. Okay, so you're taken to a private room, okay, uh, in the residential side of things, and you can tell that it's a. Um, that the person who's in there has is not in not good condition. He's like shaking, and there's a smell to the room like someone has been there for a long
3: time. Hasn't the, been bathed properly in a while. Hasn't been mm-hmm.
0: bathed properly. Um, the chamber pot is overflowing, so that's it's not a good situation. And you can also smell the the scent of like blood, um, and, and you can see that he has a like, several bandages on different parts of his body. Mm. And he's, just, he's like just lying there completely zoned out. Like, he's he's slightly awake, but he's mostly
3: unconscious. And probably doesn't really have any clue of his surroundings at exactly. all. Exactly, okay. yeah. He's
0: very much in a fugue state at this point. Um, so you'll probably have to be very gentle with trying to get his intention and everything like that.
3: I'm going to kind of ask, because, like, do you... If you care if I speak to Master Cooper for a few months? I'll be very light, very, very easy speaking.
0: And Ambrose nods his head and <laughs> says, I will be just outside. Okay.
3: Hello, um, Master Cooper. Uh, my name is, uh, Mr. Valentine Montecute. Can you give me a sign if you understand what I'm saying? He looks at you. I'm not a mute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, but uh, your, your compatriot there made it sound like that you were very uh, incapacitated, so uh, forgive me. What do you want? I'm just curious to find out a little more of the history of this area. Because I'm very new to clockwork and clockmaking and I don't really know much about it. and I'm curious to find out a little bit more. Find an apprentice.
0: He'll give you all the information you want about clockmaking. But I heard you're one of the best. I care not for it.
3: Oh, that is quite a shame. I just, something about you just strikes me as unique. Like you don't—you seem like you've had a unique history, a past behind you. Have you not seen that I have been injured? I have. I'm curious to find out more of like what happened. They took it. What did they take? The cargo.
0: The 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 gears. The crates they opened it, and there was a golden light. I, I... I... And he just starts, like, having a really hard time. And he just looks up to you, and he grabs your arm, and he's like,
3: If you want to see, go north. I'll take that advice with strong mind. But I have... I've gotten some unique information from you, so it sounds like you're very fatigued. I'll... I'll leave you to uh, get some rest for now. But thank you, sir. It was kindly to meet you. Leave me. I'll walk away. And he (laughs) he sinks back onto his pillows as you
0: close the door. And we're going to go ahead and call that an episode. Thank you very much for listening to Bone Thrower's Theater. Thank you for listening to Bone Thrower's Theater. Our cast is Jeff, Jeremy, Johnny, Mike, and Jordan. We are releasing this podcast under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. That means that you can share the podcast, but please do not modify it or try to gain financially from it. If you would like to visit our website, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater.com. If you would like to send us an email, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at Bonethrowerstheater, and also you can look us up on Facebook and Google+. Podcast art was supplied by Laura Tress and is used with her permission. And until next time, may the bones fall ever in your favor. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.